0: Hello and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Paul Roe McLevitt, and yes, I am not Lauren Richmond Jr., but I am speaking to Lauren Richmond Jr. here on the other side of the microphone, and he has not uh, typically been in this, in this seat during his own show. But we're going to talk to Lauren Richmond. and if you don't know, I have got a little bit of an introduction. For Lauren, if you don't mind, welcome to the podcast. First of all, welcome to your own podcast, <laughs> Thanks.
1: Lauren. Yeah, it's a different position to be in.
0: Yes, just just for the record, you have to say it's good to be here. That is standard. It is good Jeff. to be here. That's good. Good. Now that you're you're learning how to be more of a guest uh, on a show, and that's that's totally great. Well, um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know who Lauren is, but maybe you're turning tuning in for the first time. And let me tell you a little bit about Lauren. Lauren uh, has his Master of Divinities from Phillips Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He um, grew up in, uh, what was it, Maryland? Is that right? Not quite. New York City and Colorado. In New York City and Colorado. I was close. Maryland was close to this sort of thing. He grew up, but you grew up independent Baptist, mm-hmm. right? And your dad's a pastor. Yep. And, uh, and you went to Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, uh, and you got your Bachelor of Science in youth ministry and Bible, and then right out of that you went right into youth ministry, is that right? Yep. How about that, Fred Duncan, to uh, ministry yeah, life? Yeah, it was, it was. I bet. Um, and then taking your first lead pastor role at a denomination, dun- sorry, denominational church, is that here in Colorado? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And um, had the task of a you know a young lead pastor who, to turn around and revitalize this aging congregation, as there are many of those around. And, and you saw just this fifty percent rise in membership and in giving. And um, they were just so excited about that that they were like, "We got to get you out of here." <laughs> <laughs> So no I I I'm joking but uh, but Lauren has been the pastor for 3 years of Mission Gathering Christian Church in Thornton Colorado which is a progressive inclusive Christian church committed to full LGBT plus inclusion and uh, we'll we'll be talking a little bit more about that um that journey and in in Lauren being a pastor of that church um but he's also studying to get his um uh, Masters in Business Administration at Hope International University. He is just like nonstop; he doesn't know when to quit. Uh, he, but he's going into uh, having an emphasis in nonprofit management, and he's also the 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 host and producer of the Future Christian Podcast, in which he gets to talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders about their advice and their practical wisdom um, as the church is walking boldly into the future. I mean, he's had some pretty great guests. I will just say my favorites, some of my favorites are Jay Baker and Brian McLaren just recently was really great. Um, But if you go all the way back and listen to season one, uh, Diana Butler Bass, her her conversation was really great. And then i loved conversations with Chuck DeGroat, Thomas J Ord was just blowing my mind. It was really some had some fantastic guests. Um, So welcome, Lauren. Is there anything I have missed? in that um setup i know you're married you have two young children maybe you can fill us in on a little bit of the rest of your story
1: well th- this the funnest and simplest way i like to say it is i'm a white suburban dad like mm. i'm as white as suburban dad as you can get almost like i'm not currently wearing cargo shorts uh but i was wearing them last night and uh mm-hmm. you know that's that's the that's the epitome i think of white suburban dadness
0: that's the uniform. If you move into a yeah. house you know, in suburban Colorado and there isn't a pair of cargo shorts ready right. for you, for your standard issue, then talk to your realtor, because that needs to happen. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's great. Um, well, Lauren, tell me a little bit about your spiritual upbringing. What did it mean to you to be a Christian in, in the past, sort of as you were growing up?
1: Wow, this is... This is bringing back some memories. So, mm. my dad was a was a pastor in New York City, and um, in Flushing, Queens, I think it was. That's where at least where I lived. Okay. And he was a pastor of a church there in Queens area. And we lived in a church parsonage, and you know, my whole life was church. And when I was five years old, I remember I remember having a conversation with my dad about getting saved. And for whatever reason, I remember one week he is asking me like, "Hey, Lauren, why don't you come forward and in, in church to get saved?" Because that was that was part of the culture mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. And I, I just have this memory of one day walking in my dad's office and like, "Hey, Dad, I want to get saved today." And you know, I was I was five years old, and that's that's what you did. Um, I remember getting baptized, um, and then you know from there it was kind of all church all the time and and when i was in high school uh church was a big part and i i sensed like a a quote-unquote call to ministry and a big part of my formation as just a person was about when i was eight or nine for to be honest reasons i still don't understand to this day uh, as I said, we were living in the church parsonage and, and my dad's church was struggling financially and we ended up merging with another church and that meant that we had to leave the parsonage and obviously my dad didn't make a lot of money and New York real estate being what it was even back then, you know, us finding a place to live wasn't within the scope of reason. So we moved out to my my mom's parents here in Colorado and um you know we were we were pretty low on the economic spectrum so to speak i mean i remember at first we lived in their house and then we lived in in a a small like 600 foot no i think it was like 700 square foot Mm. maybe 800 square foot two-bedroom house it was just tiny
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: and then we lived Mm -hmm. in public housing for a time um so it was really uh you know it was a it was an interesting uh, experience growing up. Uh, but my dad went to a Bible college and I, I followed kind of his lead in some ways and went to Bible college straight out of high school and was really committed to, to go into the, into the ministry, so to speak. And I pursued, like Paul, you said, a, a degree in youth ministry and Bible. Cause that's what I wanted to do was to minister to youth. And I, I got a job straight out of high, straight out of college working as a as a youth director at a church. And I remember, you know, it was like, it's like any first time ministry job where there's a lot of, a lot of learnings and growth and stumbling and, and, you know, getting your feelings hurt that you realize come to realize later, just part of the job and part of ministry. Um, but I remember like 13 months in the pastor came to me and, and you know, the church was, Poorly managed, to be honest. It was just, like many churches, poorly managed. And I remember they came to me and said, like, the pastor came to me and said, Hey, Lauren, what would you think if, uh, um, you know, we need to cut your salary by two-thirds? And I was obviously a bit taken aback by that. I like that it's posed
0: as a question. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think if we cut your salary in two-thirds?
1: Yeah, so I was... You know, I was obviously being young in ministry and, you know, having come out of the quote unquote honeymoon period of ministry, so to speak, I just, I just took that as like, I guess it's time to leave, you know, in hindsight probably would have been better to me just say that's, that's bullshit and let's figure something else out. Mm -hmm. Um, but we left, Mm -hmm. I was married, Corey and I were married, um, got married really young. And moved back to Colorado, and then months later moved back to Springfield, Missouri, so she could finish her degree. And in that process, I kind of, kind of, I entered state school to do a, to try, try to do a religious studies uh, graduate degree. And somehow found myself into a, a deconstruction, and questioned everything, mm-hmm. and eventually met a disciples of Christ pastor named Phil Snyder and he introduced me to uh, a book by Marcus Borg uh, called Heart of Christianity which is probably I I say would have saved my faith I think in many ways and eventually led me I I realized like hey graduate school is not for me but I still want to pursue this so eventually found my way to seminary and uh, to eventually to uh, ordained ministry which has been you know as any as any pastor will say full of Blessings and cursings, I guess we might say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, you, you've you've articulated so uh, a kind of path that at least I can relate to a lot because that was my first uh, job out of out of college. I went to college for worship ministry, mm-hmm. and then, but I ended up getting a job in in youth ministry in the first uh, in the my 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 first position in a full time role in a church and that was just it seems like the right atmosphere to have some sort of deconstruction because it's eventually like inevitable in in youth ministry i suppose because um just because of how so many churches are structured for that youth person to be so transitional
1: yeah, yeah.
0: um and, and just kind of turned out and all that kind of stuff how would you say your christianity you know what's the contrast between then and now what, what's the real,
1: how do you know you're, you're, you're different in terms of your Christianity now? The shortest answer I can give is like where 20 years ago I was all about knowing all the answers. Now I just, mm. I don't, I don't say I don't care, but it's not important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm less concerned, like you ask me today how I feel about a theological, doctrine i might answer one way if you answer ask me tomorrow i might answer completely different and it's not that i don't think those are important or that they have impact it's just that i don't think that's what really matters
0: yeah yeah isn't that interesting it's like the last time i uh, somebody had asked me about whether i believed in a literal interpretation of genesis or not Mm -hmm. you know or what what if if science and and Christianity can uh, can coexist, and that those sort of questions now just make me so exhausted, because <laughs> I feel like I have to go back in time to figure out, like, okay, how do I have this conversation? That the premise, the very premise of the conversation, is something I just, I don't give any time yeah. to. Don't want to have have anything to do with. Um, yeah. So, but you've continued to have. Uh, In the midst of these the deconstruction, the reconstruction, the ongoing ministry work, are there any um, practices, spiritual practices, that you've discovered that have been
1: really life giving to you? I mean, I think, I think it was for a long time running. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had a back injury that I haven't been able to do that, and so I've gotten Mm -hmm. into bike riding a lot. Um, And also say I'd also say. journaling i'm Hmm. i'm nearing the end of a journal that i started almost 15 years ago um so it's not it's not an everyday occurrence it's you know once or twice a week um and then i i'm not very good at it but i i'm trying to incorporate prayer regularly
0: Hmm. (laughs) sounds terrible yeah i no no i I am the first person who is just kind of like I'm terrible at prayer. But I feel like I I want to get better at prayer. And I it seems like a a strange that would have been a really strange thing for me to say when I was a younger Christian. Yeah, because I've thought, "Oh, prayer is the easiest thing in the world. What is it? It's just talking to God. It's just like you just And then as I matured, as I I think I matured and got better, I realized, actually, prayer is really difficult because it's more than just talking, right? Yeah. It's actually, prayer is primarily listening, and I had experiences with people taking me on contemplative retreats and showing me some sort of contemplative practices, and I realized, oh my gosh, how difficult it is because I have to be faced with silence, I have to be faced with myself, with my, the chatter of my ego in prayer, and uh, and I think that uh, that's why a lot of people kind of avoid prayer, and mm-hmm. just, uh, at least Christians do, avoid prayer and substitute it with saying prayers, you know? Hmm. I could just say prayer here yeah. in a small group, or say a prayer at church, or whatever, and so yeah yeah and that's the thing about the, the the spiritual practices that I think what's interesting about the ones that you mentioned is they all kind of create they they require some level of focus and it, a little suffering you know they're mm-hmm. hard biking not always easy yeah. Right. biking is hard because you got Hills yeah yesterday trust me, I, was, I
1: was sweating pretty good
0: <laughs> right Yeah, because, I mean, it's the same, like, running is part of my spiritual practice, and I've never gotten to a place where it's like, every morning I go, oh, I can't wait to go running, you know? No, it's still kind of difficult, and that, I think, makes it an effective spiritual practice. Okay, so, Lauren, one of the things we're going to just do is we're going to, I'm going to ask you some of these questions that are related to kind of the season that you're in right now, Mm -hmm. because you're actually experiencing something that... Uh, at least from the research that I've seen from Gallup and from placement industries like Slingshot and stuff, would say about 30 to 40 million people um, who tend to be like um, white, educated, usually male, um, are going through this season that in their deconstruction, where their, their faith has just sort of gotten to this place where they kind of lose church into to some degree Mm -hmm. and both professionally, a lot of them professionally and They're, they're, they're sort of out, they're sort of, um, and, and I wanted to ask you if that, if that's something you would like to talk about, um, during this time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Tell me what's, tell me what's, what's the current, um, landscape of your life right now?
1: Well, the current thing that I'm most recently, working through I guess is um, I think you talked about it in the introduction Um, Mm -hmm. but the church that I started a little over three years ago Mission Gathering Christian Church in Thornton, uh, it's coming to a close and Mm -hmm. you know like Like any new church, nothing's guaranteed in life yet I can't imagine anyone who starts a ministry like this while we probably all know that the odds are stocked stocked against us stacked against us it's certainly not it's not what you want it's not what you worked hard for and i think i think that's it's it's hit me i i guess i i guess i'd say i I didn't realize how hard it would hit me of uh, mm-hmm. just the grieving process of seeing mm-hmm. this come to a close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, and what's interesting about this moment right now and where people are maybe listening to you is this is like ground zero. Often yeah. uh, some pastor will come on a podcast about a year or two years after a church is closed. And they'll talk about the season of wilderness, the Mm -hmm. the liminal space that they experienced, right? And, but that's not where you are, that you're right at the beginning, you know? And there's so much, um, I would imagine, for you, for the people around you, to try and rush to create some narrative that gives this meaning or sense, you know, hope. Like, I, I think we are often addicted to hope, but not in a good way. (laughs) Um, you know, we're, we're addicted to hope in the ways in which we can we can cover over some of the pain, some of the grieving in order to just not feel uncomfortable and go like, yeah, this really sucks. And this is not, this was not by design. This is not a good thing. Like this is, this is a bad thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it's okay to say that and, and sort of stay in that. Um, what uh, what have you been noticing about yourself right now in in the season? Because and maybe and even kind of let us know where you are in sort of the timeline of events. Yeah. From, you know, when when you started to sense this this thing was, you know, and we're we we're recording this in the the, uh, sort of after the first year of a global pandemic, yeah. um, and when things started to look like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to make it, uh, and then where you are now.
1: I mean, I think by some stretch, like in the broader, in the broadest context, like the Denver area is a super hard, market so to speak context to start a church like yeah. evangelicals come here all the time and die don't make it um starting yeah. a progressive lgbtq plus affirming church um right is another matter so i think yeah. you know i i wouldn't say i was under any illusions that this thing was guaranteed to work and i know you know but there was i, I remember i can remember like a few times back like when a sunny morning went well and be like holy shit, this is going to work, you know? Like, mm-hmm. man, this is going to make it. And then, you know, the pandemic came around, and I, I looked at it as like, okay, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Trying to think that opportunity language. Um. And, it, you know, as the pandemic wore on, and it wore on, and it wore on, and it wore on, you know, I, I, I kept trying to pivot and pivot and pivot. And I, I think a lot of what the common narrative around entrepreneurship and new things is that, well, if you're just creative enough and hardworking enough and hmm. energetic enough, like things will work out. And and I don't mean to discount energy and creativity and hard work, but there's some things that just, it's just too much. And, and I don't, right. You know, and I don't, I don't want to say it was all the pandemic because I think it's more complicated than that. Um, yeah but I, I know I was kind of wrestling with like how is this gonna work and and thinking about my vocationality about how much am, how much cost am I willing to to really bear to my myself and my family as this thing goes on and so about a month ago a little over a month ago, some of my superiors so to speak came to me and said, lauren you know i i think I think it's time, and I didn't like hearing it to be honest and i I still don't like hearing it, but I think You know, I, I told this person that I don't think you're wrong. Um, so as we stand today, like literally today we're recording this, the, the, the last Sunday or last weekend service is a couple weeks away and I'm not, I don't feel any better about it to be honest than I did a month ago. Um, like just to be real, like it still hurts the same. Yeah. Um. It's hard to say. Like, I'm not. I'm not sure. To you know, you ask about how it's hit my body. I'm not sure. I've noticed how it's hit my body yet. To be honest. Um, yeah. I, I know this. Like, well, one thing. Go ahead. I was just gonna, just gonna say. Like, I have this pain in my neck. That uh-huh. I feel like is stress related. Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Well, it seems like i've heard a lot of people recently saying like the body knows first yeah um and and then how interconnected our bodies and our emotions are that we'll often feel some of the the trauma in our bodies before we even know that it's like, oh that's anger that's sadness or whatever i've started to notice a little bit of those those things one thing that came up in a it was actually in a recent podcast of future christian um, you were talking with, I don't remember her name. It was about burnout. What Mm -hmm. was her name? Yeah. Bethany Um, Dearborn Heiser. There we go. And, uh, really about this, this idea of kind of toxic productivity. I don't know if she even used that, but, but that is a, um, a defense mechanism toward grief. If we can Mm -hmm. like ramp up our productivity, um, have you felt that temptation to kind of like, okay, I've got a, no loss is going to get me down. Nothing is going to like, did you, you
1: kind of have that narrative? Like I'm going to come back stronger. Well, I think, I think that was kind of like my, my attitude, like during the pandemic, at least during the latter half, like, Hey, I'm just going to work harder and we're going to get out of this. Like it's just like, mm-hmm. if I can just be creative enough and in, innovative enough, um, like, that this is going to work out um, kind of like just not recognizing the inevitable and, you know, wh- to some extent I'm, I'm slowly learning like yesterday, you know, as I joked about in that podcast and our listeners will have to go back and listen to that. Like I joked about mm-hmm. how I always kind of like snide, snidely think about folks who take it, take a day off to go like on a prayer hike or something. <laughs> so yesterday I'm just like F that, like I'm going to go for a bike ride. So I went to North Table Mountain, which is a, a nice nature trail area around here and did a mountain bike and sweated my butt off because it was a hard ride. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like, or else I'm just going to sit around and come up with things to do that I don't really need to do.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh, I think
0: one of the things that I think Could be so important for anybody listening because we all go through change. And change is, you know, depending, it's kind of on a spectrum. It could be very dramatic, very, and and I would say on the scale of uh, stress, losing jobs, um, and and especially something like starting a church that you've been solely responsible for and seeing that end is is huge. It's a trauma. It's something that, um, and being uh, sort of normalizing your experience can be really helpful in terms of like, okay, this is is actually okay that I'm acting like this, that I'm really feeling these things. These are normal. When um, we just try in our our society, we just kind of like, nope, it's any sort of weakness has just got to get Pushed down or, or, or set aside because, um, it's, it's, it doesn't belong. And you were going to say something about that. Sorry, I was talking.
1: Well, I was just gonna say like, that's one thing that I have been trying to be really intentional about is just honoring my grief. Um, yeah, you know, like you said, there's, there's always this kind of push to just tough it out and get through. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't like it to be frank, Mm-hmm. I don't like this feeling. Um, mm-hmm. But again, kind of what you said, like one of these, one of the uh, teacher and mentor that I like to follow says that all change is loss and loss is like a death and it needs to be grieved. Yeah. And by just rushing through and pushing through and not honoring those feelings, we're doing ourselves a disservice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the things and the people that we love a disservice. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something that and i saw this behind you i I can see we're we're on screens and this is just an audio only podcast Mm -hmm. but it came up in one of our virtual meetings through the pandemic and i noticed that there's a a little stuffed eeyore on your bookshelf (laughs) um back behind a couple actually i think i can't remember a couple yeah all right so and i think i can't remember who asked about that but um you talk can you tell a little bit about why there's er on your shelf because i do think that's really
1: important to this conversation yeah this is a fun story actually because when i was in bible college there was this guy who's kind of just a douche uh to be honest he's this big guy <laughs> he's a big huge like six foot four probably 250 300 pounds so he he could just kind of bully anybody and he he took advantage of that even in bible college uh, another conversation uh-huh. but anyway um yeah. For some reason, he started, He's whenever I walked by, he'd be like, oh, there's Eeyore. And he's like, one gray rain cloud. Um, and I remember, like, this was yeah. even in, in my first church job at that Baptist church when I was a youth yeah. pastor. Uh, I think they're the first ones who gave me one of these first Eeyores. And kind of since then, I've just kind of embraced, like, this kind of Eeyore persona Um, Mm -hmm. and certainly the, the moniker has fit in many ways, thinking just Mm -hmm. about my own mental health, kind of the way that my energy, Mm -hmm. like when I come to a conversation or, uh, it's, it can be kind of ho-hum and then my energy will increase. Um, so rather than kind of shy away from it, I've just tried to embrace like, this is who I am and, Mm -hmm. and not be afraid of that.
0: Yeah. I think that's so powerful of a story in so many levels for me when I heard that. Um because I think that guy I'm 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 so interested in when people are named. When people get named things. Mm. Um especially because I think um I find this contrast in Jesus that he approaches people who have been given labels, and he Mm. gives them names. Yeah, that's huge, right? Um, But the fact is, this guy wanted to label you as this like ho hum. No fun. It was meant to be as no fun. And look, like look, if you were just positive and happy, and is like you could be successful or you could be like, <laughs> you're bringing, you're bringing everybody down. Like we used even terms like the Debbie Downer character yeah, you know, that was popular on SNL and stuff yeah. like that, we get, we throw those around and, and I will say that there's something and Brene Brown says this really well, she goes like vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. Yeah. So there is something to be said about somebody who, who doesn't know how to, um, it doesn't have the boundaries to i don't know understand the appropriateness of when to bring in all of their grief all of their their sadness mm-hmm. and anger and if they if it's if it's on a, maxed out to 11 in every conversation right. that doesn't that's not not boundaries but somebody who is just like comfortable with being sad um is a definite need and a minister to our community, to our to our world, and I think about how Eeyore actually operates within the the sort of circle of friends in Winnie the Pooh, um, and why actually he's like for my my children they love Eeyore you know and and we've always loved Eeyore um, because I think he gives children the permission to be sad, mm-hmm. um, and I've loved children's writers like. Um, uh, Marie Sendak and Roald Dahl, who allow kids to have darker emotions, yeah, to feel anger, to not clean it up, to put some scary things in there. Um, and what does it do? It, it it allows them to actually enjoy the the brighter emotions, the happier yeah. emotions as well. It it embraces the full spectrum of being a human. Um, And so the fact that you actually took that on and said, no, I I believe that this is something, (laughs) it's, you're like, I'm embracing my weakness. And that is, at least in the Jesus language, you know, that's where strength comes from. Strength comes from weakness, not from strength, Yeah, you know. So, uh, and I do think that's important in a season like this, and for a lot of people who go through similar things like you're going through, um, that they experience this Kinda they, they tap into their inner Eeyore, what do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think there's there's definitely a time and a place, you know, there can if I was all Eeyore all the time, I think that would be a problem. Yeah. Um but conversely, you and I know that so often Christianity is just expected this to be super peppy, positive, God is great all the time, hallelujah. And just come on, mm-hmm. that's not the biblical witness. Like that's not what we yeah. see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is it? I'm going to get her wrong. Her name wrong. Barbara Taylor Brown? Yeah. Barbara Brown Taylor? I think you yeah, had the first Barbara, time. Barbara Brown Taylor? <laughs> Barbara, Barbara Taylor, Taylor Brown. Brown. I can't do it. Barbara Taylor Brown, if Barbara you're Taylor listening, Brown. I
1: do want you on the podcast, so I'm sorry we're butchering um, your name. I
0: just finished her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, and it is a life changer. So important. Um, but uh, she talks about full solar churches, Mm-hmm. Churches that are just like, they don't acknowledge the dark at all. Yeah. Um, they just... And, and how that just... Uh, it lies about the gospel, lies about God, and that's something that really bothers me. Yeah. Um, what is that like for you now? Uh, I want to talk a little bit this idea. When it comes to closing a church and experiencing things that are uncomfortable, like grief and walking people through, that people are still looking to you to be a guide through this transition. What does it look like to be? I'm going to use the word because I know you're a family systems guy. Yeah. To be self-differentiated in this process.
1: Boy, it's it's been hard. Um, It's been hard. I think in some ways, I've had to advocate for myself and just say like, "Hey, this is the best." I literally got nothing else to give you. Like sometimes I've just had to say, like, you know, your pep talk isn't what I need right now. I'm giving you the best I got. Sure. Um there's been times I've tried to advocate for my congregation in ways that's blown up in my face and that's uh, been hard. Um I, yeah, I don't I I I don't think to use your word the word, you know, being self-differentiated. Um it's not easy, for sure. It's not easy. Um mm-hmm. But I'd like to think, anyway, that it's the best, healthiest approach. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Do you think gonna, you would um, probably
0: not... Right, right. I can see a couple of spots, you know, actually watching... Actually, the whole life of the of Mission Gathering, really. Yeah. Um, from the first Sunday until the last. Um, a couple of places where you made some hard decisions that, in the moment um, would have pleased somebody, would have pleased powerful people. Um, and, but would have been maybe off the mission. And do you, do you think like if I just would have said yes to those things, would I be in the same situation now or would I have
1: more people? You do. I mean, I wouldn't say every day, but the thought crosses my mind a lot. And I, you know, you wonder like if you had said yes to that person and, and caved on this, like, Would the story be different? And I think what I have to go back to and, and folks might disagree with me on this and that's fine. Speaking of being self differentiated, I guess, but Mm I, yeah, like I just, I'm a believer that God had given me a call and a vision. And I know, I know this isn't super popular these days. This, I, you know, what seems to want seems to be the approach these days is just kind of this this universal this universal consensus of everyone's opinion and matters or everyone's opinion is equally valid and I don't want to discount um, people's voices or their stories or their experiences or what they can bring to the table but I know we we talked about this as a staff Um, kind of this internal value of everyone has a voice, but not everyone has a vote. And for me, at least, I just think like different people have different gifts, different, different callings, different skill sets that I, I, I would say are given by God and, and by equating everyone's opinion or voice or vote to be the same, um, is just, it's diminishing and discounting what I believe is to be God's gifting unique gifting to each person right um right so it's it's hard i wrestle a lot with it like would things yeah. be different maybe would i be being true to what i believe that god had called me to i'm not sure and yeah yeah i don't know what to do with that i guess that's where i'm at right now yeah. i don't know what to do with that that's, but i'll say for that's me that's great i mean it yeah i guess i'd just say for me like when push comes to shove i try to lean back on what i believe that god has called me to and let the chips fall where they may
0: yeah yeah oh man we can talk forever on that yeah um but i and i i think i probably just that last little thing i'd love to hear your thoughts because it came up in a conversation yesterday was there's this company base camp Mm -hmm. um that does a lot of groups meetings and all this stuff a big number of employees get together and they're like hey we need to change kind of the vision and mission of the company to really incorporate social justice more. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I was like, that's really cool. Yes, they're right. Yes, it's important. Um, But it's complicated because then the CEO was like, no, actually, our mission is to deliver the best product for our customers, Mm -hmm. not to, not to get involved. That's, those are things we care about. Those are things we believe in but as a company we have to be really focused and they said no we've got to change things and they let go a third of their staff wow like in one day and it's a big company wow like and there's something about that that says that's to me what it looks to to go like i cannot compromise on the vision hmm. i can't compromise on the mission that those are the things and now we can we can have conversations about whether that is the right mission, whether yeah. it's the, the vision, that's fine. Yeah. But that's a long process. And it usually doesn't happen within like almost never happens in ultimatums for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when somebody says like, no, we've got to do this now. Cause there is this anxiety culturally right now yeah. that says we got to behave in these ways. And it's tricky because I agree with a lot of those values, but it's also there's no way to win. Um, and, uh, yeah. and the di- differentiated leader is often lonely and often alone in those things. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's, we're going to close up with a few questions, but before that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back for our closing questions. Great. So thanks for listening. We've got a few questions, closing questions, Lauren, you get to ask these every time. I'm super curious about your answers. Uh, first is, if you were pope for a day,
1: uh, what would you do? Um, this this is totally off the top of my head, but I think I'd want to I want to <laughs> travel the world. Um, so I'm uh-huh. being the pope or some similar level of authority would provide me, I imagine, a consider considerable level of resources. So I think traveling yeah. the world would be pretty cool. Just even it even if it was literally 24 hours, just I don't know. I don't know. This is a good question. If you were going like against time, you know, traveling, I don't know. (laughs) Some could totally, maybe um, my geography kind of thinking is wrong, but if you were like going backwards, so to speak, against days, Uh could you make it around the world? I wonder in 24 hours, even stopping? That's a good question. I don't know.
0: I just finished watching that movie, Tenant. That that does that talks about entropy and time travel. Oh, don't it's, spoil it for me. Oh, it's no. That's basically the premise. You'll have to watch it. I'm gonna have to watch it two or three times to just understand yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of in there. But where where would you go first? What's the first place in the world where you go?
1: I mean, I feel like Jerusalem would have to be one. Okay. You know, I guess yeah. I'm pope, so I don't need to go to Rome because I'm already there. Um, right. That's your house. Yeah, it's my house. Um, <laughs> and then. You know london and then beyond that probably want to go to asia um oh, cool i feel like i need to stop Very off good. in an- antarctica because you know not a lot of people get to antarctica. you gotta go to the coldest place Let's right. no right. when was the
0: last time the pope went to antarctica right. i'll tell you what yeah seriously i mean i um, believe that
1: god is redeeming the entire world through jesus that's right so let's get some saint francis up in here come yeah. on now uh <laughs> We're going to go bless
0: some penguins. Yeah. Um, So uh, along those lines, is there a theological or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life?
1: I mean, I think the one that comes to mind is kind of, I mentioned Marcus Borg. Um, Yeah. He's deceased now, and I really credit his book for kind of saving my faith. I got to see see him once at an event several years back, but I think he'd be one I'd be, I'd be interested in talking with just because maybe if it was just kind of like, thank you, thank you for doing that.
0: Right, right.
1: That's so great. Um,
0: Okay, I'd like to ask you these questions about, like, about our current time and place. What do you think history will remember uh, about the church, about Christianity
1: from this time and season in our life? I think the word you've used is anxiety, and that's what that's what I think. Uh, like we're in just such a time of transition uh, and there's so yeah. much anxiety around what's next. What yeah. how do we behave? How do we act? You know, so much is changing and there's so much anxiety around that. And so much of our decisions aren't well thought out or principled. They're just kind of anxious reactions. Um mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and you know, there's, there's certainly a lot more that could be discussed there, but that's something that comes to mind for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well then if we were to turn that over and, and ask about the hopes, like what, what is your hope for the future of Christianity in the
1: world? I think for me, you know, and I kind of mentioned this at the top, like I am less of a person who, you know, 20 years ago, I would be all about my list of core doctrines and why I believe you know, my list of faith and my phone Mm -hmm. is ringing right now. (laughs) I I think I'd say like, for me, it's to use the word much orthopraxy is much more important than to Mm -hmm. me than orthodoxy. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, following the way of Jesus is something that I'm concerned about more. And I know there's, there's a lot there as far as, you know, who's the historical Jesus and, you know, what, historical traditions do we get that are not really Jesus but are the church and I I think if we're trying that's a good start
0: yeah yeah that's beautiful I think just just that that simplicity and that picture of simplicity is great Um, well Lauren you know I suppose people can find out more about you here uh, you know, in this podcast, the Future Christian, you're also going to be on uh, the Chasing Sunday podcast with, uh, well, yours truly, as we're we're talking uh, here. But is there anywhere else that we can uh, find you and people looking to to interact with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm online. I just uh, on Twitter last night. Paul's recording this. I just changed my name to Failed Church Planner on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We talked about we talked about this offline doing that. Um, I have a little media podcast production company called Resonate Media Pro. So ResonateMediaPro.com and I just say like if you're someone, this is my sickness to be honest, I love church. I love church. Mm. If you're someone who wants to talk about church, if you're passionate about creative innovative ways to grow and lead church, like I want to talk to you and Mm. I just love talking about this stuff. I'll I'll close with a story. Like I went to this retreat once amongst other pastors. And one of the things we had to do for the day was a 24 hour period of silence. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I'm Mm. like, this is stupid. I'm amongst young, energetic pastors and leaders. And I have to be quiet for a day. Oh, that's,
0: that's fantastic. Well, Lauren, it was great talking with you. Thanks for being on your own podcast, for being on the, (laughs) the Chasing Sunday podcast. And, uh. I want to leave with you this benediction, Lauren, as you enter this next season, uh, that you, that rest settles into your body and into your mind and that you experience the full depth of God's grace and love for you. And that in the silence, you hear the the song of who you are and, um, Be blessed. Thank you, and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is produced by Torn Curtain Arts in partnership with Resonate Media. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit futurechristian.com. If you've enjoyed the show and you think it would be valuable for others to hear, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That really helps more people find us. Thanks again, and go in peace.